buyers of this the Successful Associations today. My guest is Amanda Kaiser, a member engagement specialist who has personally interviewed over 470 members to better understand why human beings engage in communities, online, and during conferences. Amanda is a professional speaker, co-founder of the Incubator Series, and author of the popular SmoothThePath.net blog. Earlier this year, Amanda teamed up with Matchbox Virtual Media to produce the Virtual Networking Incubator. The incubator was one part lab, one part part tech testing ground, and one part problem-solving event where over 150 association leaders met with one goal, to determine if virtual networking events could be meaningful. Today, we will unpack strategies and tips from the incubator to help you plan your next virtual or in-person networking event. Welcome, Amanda. I'm happy to have you here today. Thanks so much, Mary. I'm, I'm really happy to be here. Let's start with the background on the incubator. How did it come about? Yeah, absolutely. So, so I was talking with my partner, Ariana, uh, pretty early after, um, after we kind of all, you know, the world shut down. We, we, uh, we all started, you know, hiding in our homes after COVID started. And, um, and a, a lot of conferences were, were, you know, just going to happen that spring. And, and event planners hurried and, and they did amazing things. They actually took all of those conferences from in person and they put them into an online format. And one of the things that we saw very quickly was the education was there. We, uh, conferences, online conferences were delivering education, but that's just one part of the value scenario. The other part of the, the value scenario of conferences is networking. And networking was not working virtually. And Ariana and I thought that we had a big opportunity there to bring back the full value of conferences in the online format by making sure that networking could happen virtually. And so, so that's what kind of kicked off the whole incubator idea. I love that you took the lead in helping solve such a critical problem, because when you talk to people about online conferences, as you mentioned, the education's there, you can learn at your convenience, you don't have to leave home, expenses lower, but it's just not the same from a networking standpoint. So tell us about how you structured the incubator. And I love it that you had so many association professionals that were actually willing to be guinea pigs with you. So let's talk about the structure first. Yeah. So, okay. So yes, 150 participants. And I've got to say they were amazing. We, we really built a community through, uh, we had six different sessions. We called them gatherings and each one of the gatherings was 90 minutes. And during those gatherings, we would do a bunch of things. We would do something that we called an unofficial start. And that was a way to reward the early birds for being there and also prime everybody on the topic of what they were going to be talking about. And then we would do an introduction and then we would explore a tech format. And then at the end, we do this debrief. And, and the, the structure kind of changed over time. So we did that for about four gatherings where we do the introduction, tech, you know, debrief. And then toward the end, we started massive problem solving. So now that we've sort of experienced what can happen uh, you know, with this technology and with virtual networking, let's go ahead and start solving for a whole bunch of different use cases. And that's what we did in the back half of the incubator. 
the technology that you introduced, was it specific to networking technology or was it taking existing technology and asking how can we use this for networking? Both. So the first four gatherings, we did explore new technology specific for networking. So we wanted to look at things like how do you do one-to-one networking? Uh, and, and that's really hard to do in Zoom. So how do you do one-to-one networking? So we used a, a, a technology called Gather Round. And then we wanted to say, see if you could do like uh, reception style networking. So we used Wonder. And then we wanted to see, you know, how could we push the envelopes with small groups? And so we used uh, a really great platform called Circles. Uh, and then we we said, okay, so what happens if you have 500 people in a room and you want to do big group networking? And for that, we used a platform called Pickles. So um, so that was that was really neat. Now underlying all of this was Zoom, and that's where, as the MC, I got really creative with how we use Zoom. And so we we pressed every bell and whistle there is. We use you know annotate. We use chat in a lot of different ways. We you know we tried all different kinds of things, and uh, and some of it worked, and some of it didn't. And it was really great for our participants, I think, because they could see us experimenting in real time and could figure out what they wanted to take back to their own members. I love that. And how did you get their input? Uh, at, you know, at the end of each, or you know, at the end of whole ex- the whole experiment, I'm sure that they were uh, probably very vocal and upfront with you about what worked and didn't. So how did you capture that information? Yeah, they were vocal and we loved it because they were vocal in such like this kind, generous, gracious, lovely way. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, and Ariana would probably say the same thing that as host, that feedback just made the next one that much better. So we did a lot. We, uh, we read every single chat comment that came in during the, the um, uh, gatherings um, and read them afterwards. So, and probably, I probably read each one of them five times because there was just so much data to gather from that many people doing you know, the, the same thing. We also uh, set up surveys at the end. We also invited people to email us anytime. So sometimes something would come to people and then they'd have an ad hoc response. Uh, Matchbox also has a a really interesting platform called Spaces. And so the community could come together in between the gatherings. So we actually had two weeks between each gathering, which was my time to quickly work up the, the curriculum and make sure everything was set and we'd have our dry run. We needed those two weeks as hosts, but it felt like a long time for our participants. And so they could get together and work on things and we could see what they were doing in the comments, which was great. So lots and lots of ways to get feedback. And then at the end, you're right, we did have sort of this kind of massive design session debrief. Um, and a lot, of, a lot of outcomes came out of that. So there's uh, two really interesting documents that anybody can access. One is a, a roundup report that I wrote of the whole experience. And in there, you'll find a link to the cookbook. So our participants actually put together a cookbook of about 20 or so recipes for how to do a virtual networking or a networking um, event based on it, just about any kind of outcome you could hope for. Cool. So tell us where to find those, because I don't want to lose that thought and the yes. access. Yeah. So on my website, smooththepath.net, there's a resources tab in the upper nav, and then you pull that down and you can find the report there. Uh, Just click on it. It'll download for free. 
And over on Matchbox's site, they have an incubator series website built out. Uh, you can find the report there. You can also sign up. So I just said series because we're going to do a series of these and, and try to really explore um, like like virtual networking, you know, problems that associations are having and, and membership organizations are having. So, so the next one is the um, sponsor value incubator that we're looking to launch very soon. So you can find more information about that as well. Tell us a little bit about that. Who are you looking for to be part of that incubator series and, and what are you hoping to dive into there? Yeah, we're looking for everybody. We're, we're looking for companies who want to sponsor and they feel like they're not getting enough value. And then we're also looking for member organizations like associations who need the revenue and the partnership from sponsors. And they're having a tough time figuring that out as well. So, so this is about sponsor value uh, virtually, uh, in person, you know, for, for all different kinds of events. And, and it seems like over the last, say, decade or so, sponsor value has really tailed off. And we'd like to, to figure out how to, you know, make that as valuable on all ends as it used to be. You know, as you mentioned, uh, the pandemic accelerated a lot of trends that were already in play. So this whole sponsor question had already been in play. Uh, but and, and it's now, I think, at a critical point. But the pandemic has also created a tailwind. So I think sponsors are looking for the same kind of solutions that our associations are looking for so that there, there can be a good marriage because sponsors have content, associations create content, sponsors are looking for audiences, associations have audiences. So there is a mutual need there. And so I love the fact that you're going to be tackling that because that certainly is something we're hearing uh, a lot about today, both from the sponsor side and the association side. I'm interested in the value of experiments and small pilots when it comes to innovation. This is where I've been spending a lot of my time lately. And your incubator was innovation in action from the way that you set it up, from the way that you got into it and then realized things needed to change a little bit. So you recalibrated as you went through the process. How did this whole innovative, you know, we're just going to see what we can come up with kind of attitude here. How did it affect participants' attitudes and how did it free you in your work? Yeah, we, you bring up such a really great point because sometimes people are not along for an experiment. So one of the things that we heard during the incubator was, but my members are not going to want to experiment. You know, they, they really expect by the time that we produce something, it's polished and perfect. And, and that might be the case. So there's a bunch of things that you can do when you are recruiting people for an experiment, tell them it's an experiment, tell them that they're, uh, you know, that they're, you know, you need them because they're innovators, tell them that uh, it might not be perfect, but you think you're onto something big, you know, tell them that this is a beta test. And, and, and we did a lot of that, you know, we said that we're, we're going to be innovating out loud, we're going to be experimenting, we're going to be trying all these things. And so the incubator was not for everybody, but it was for those people who are really interested in the topic and also being in a situation where things might break and they might not work. Uh, I think what we didn't expect was the number of participants. We had a really big number of participants and that really put the pressure on us as hosts 
to, uh, you know, to bring our A game. And one of the things that I think I would have done differently was I would have had a beta test group before we went to our bigger beta test group. <laughs> and, and so one of the things that I, I think I keenly felt as the MC was we were pressing the buttons for the first time on a lot of technology that we had maybe experienced in like a demo, but never actually been running ourselves for the, for the very first time. And so, um, you know, I think that's one of my pieces of advice is if you're buying a new technology and you're going to deploy it to all of your members, uh, maybe try to find a group of 10 or 15 members who love the experiment and love being a part of that and, uh, and work with that little group. So even, even just to know how the technology reacts. So, you know, one of the things that I didn't realize in a lot of this technology is when the MC goes live, there's a big lag time, you know, like I'd press the button to go live and it didn't actually let me go live for maybe 30 seconds. That's nice to know, you know? Um, so yeah, so I, I think, uh, I think we asked for a lot of uh, grace um, and there's more things that you can do to make yourself comfortable as the host before, before deploying it to the rest of your membership. So it's almost an incubator before the incubator. That might've been nice. That would have been nice. Yeah. Good, good. Uh, I love that advice. And you know, when you come into it as a participant and you know, it's an experiment that adds a little bit of levity and fun, uh, kind of a willingness just to, to see what, you know, what, what's going to happen. But as you mentioned, a lot of individuals were interested in watching what you were doing so that they could learn and take it back to their association. So really the pressure was on you and they benefited from that. So uh, kudos to you for being willing to, to do that because there's, it's, uh, it can be pretty intense. And I've certainly been in that situation myself where I'm experimenting with something new. I've done everything I can in the background to make sure it's gonna be successful, but you just never know until the moment that you go. Uh, whether it's going to be successful or not. So I think a plan B is also a great, great piece of advice. What are the biggest takeaways from the incubator? All, you know, the weeks that you did, all the reading that you did, all the feedback that you got, what are the biggest takeaways? I think one of them is, um, you know, when you're, when you're hosting something like this, I think we think about hosting events, but really what we're doing is we're building a community and we're building a community culture. And, and so if you take and put on that hat of now I'm building a community and I'm building a community culture, you can start thinking a lot more about the emotions behind what it is that you're creating. And so I think one of the, I, there's a bunch of things that worked really well. You know, I could, I can reel off, you know, things that I wish I had done differently, but there's a bunch of things that worked really well. And one of those things was we really leaned into this very fun, friendly, happy tone and all of our messaging, um, you know, we were we were very upbeat and very friendly, and we we used emojis and hashtags and color and graphics, and and we, we really we really tried to fun it up because we wanted people to be primed to come and be um, open and generous. And this was this was literally a live lab where if somebody had an idea that was half-baked, we wanted them to share that idea because that was gonna spur another person to say, oh yeah, and what about this? And what about this? And so we were busy trying to get rid of things like you know, judgment and sarcasm and, and those things that kind of break the chain of safety. And we were trying to heighten those feelings of, 
openness, generosity, curiosity, uh, creativeness, and all of those things. So, so I think tone really, really helped us there. Um, another thing we did is we, we really did try to create a safe space. And early on, we were thinking of, oh, you know, uh, an event like this needs to have a code of conduct. And I remember Ariana actually saying that, Amanda, we need to write a code of conduct. And then both of it, you can see both of us, we, our shoulders slumped, you know, because a code of conduct, it's, it's very legalese, right? It's very, it's very like, you know, you can't do this, you can't do that, you can't do this. And, and we, we, we said, we can't, we can't do a code of conduct. We've got to do something different. So we came up with something called our golden rule haiku. And, uh, and it ended up being co-created by the participants. And it was something that we all recited together at the beginning of every single gathering. And it was about opportunity and possibility and the things that you can do. And it just, it just sort of teleported everybody into the right mindset. So, so those are just some of the things, uh, ways to think about kind of turning the way you do events, maybe on their head to get that desired reaction and emotion from the people who are participating. So I love how you said fun it up, because I yeah. think funning things up really is what is going to, what's missing mm -hmm. in many cases. You know, we're very serious about our education. We're very serious about member time, which we absolutely should be. But it doesn't mean that that education and having fun or networking and having fun have to be mutually exclusive. They, there doesn't have to be duty all the time. And in fact, I think Southwest, when they have fun with their gate agents and with their announcements, I think they're a great example of how you can take business seriously, but you can take yourself lightly in, in the whole process. So, you know, to those who say networking can't or won't work, what, what's your final thought and message to meeting planners on this as you wrap up, having been through this, this big incubator process? We spent a lot of time talking about what networking feels like when it goes really well. You know, mm. people use these really great uh, terms, you know, it it opens me to possibilities. I'm, you know, I'm ex exhilarated. You know that. So if it's going well, so many great adjectives. When it's going badly, though, and 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 most of the time, uh, people do feel really anxious about networking events. In fact, uh, fifty eight percent of the of our participants said that when they think about traditional networking, like a reception, fifty eight percent of them feel anxiety or concern. That's a, that's a big bunch of people, especially since our people are that were in the, the, um, the incubator, a lot of them were meeting planners, a lot of them were association CEOs, uh, you know, and they were still saying, you know, networking events fill me with this feeling of anxiety concern. So we dove into that and there was, uh, you know, there was a lot of, um, you know, networking events are cringeworthy and embarrassing and awkward and, you know, all of these things that when you start reading the list, it actually makes me feel anxious in the pit of my stomach. Um, <laughs> so so networking, networking was one of those things that was kind of broken before. And then we took, then we went into to, uh, the, the um, virtual world. And like you said, uh, COVID just pushed some of these trends forward really fast. Um, and, and what we figured out how to do in the incubator was make networking virtually comfortable, uh, meaningful, interesting, fun. We had a lot of collaboration, co-creation. Um, and when we asked that question after every single one of our 
our gatherings, you know, what are your feelings? Uh, only 16% said I felt any anxiety or concern during the, the virtual networking series. So, so that's a big shift. So I would say virtual networking is, can be done, but not only that, it's kind of an imperative um, because if you, if you can use our resources to really make your in-person networking event much better or your virtual networking event much better, then you're just pushing engagement in your association so much more. One of the places where a lot of members really sort of feel their engagement trail away is during networking. If they start feeling like they're an outsider, if they feel that otherness, if they feel like this is an association that's not of people like me, uh, then you break the chain of engagement and networking is a big part of that. So, so you can really fast forward engagement by having a great networking experience. You hit on something really key, Amanda, and that is that networking is not working sometimes, whether it's in person or online. And the whole idea of creating a welcoming environment and extending hospitality is essential. When you go to networking events and you look around the room, usually the people that are having the most fun are those who are insiders, who are in volunteer leadership positions, who know people. And I recognize that they are there to see each other and to connect with each other. But I think one of the biggest opportunities our, our volunteer leaders have is to spend less time networking with each other and more time looking around the room when we're in person and asking, who can I meet? Who don't I know? Who can I include? And who can I connect with somebody else? And that is was true really before COVID, and it's going to be even more true perhaps after COVID. But we also don't have to choose between virtual or in-person. I think we are in an and environment now. We are going to continue to have our in-person experiences, but for the foreseeable future, it's very possible they may be smaller. And that means we have an opportunity online or virtually to do things that we've never done before. So I applaud you and Ariana for getting together so quickly. And there was no surprise on my part when I saw you were doing this, but to really solve a, a sticky complex problem for associations. And I love the fact that you did it and are doing it through the incubator series. So I just want, as we close here, I would just like for you to Again, let people know where they can go to get the report, but also if they are interested in participating in your upcoming sponsorship incubator, what's the best way for them to express interest? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, you can find the report on my site at smooththepath.net and uh, go under resources. You'll find the report right there. Um, And then I, um, and also uh, go over to matchboxvirtualmedia.com and they've got some links that'll take you into the the incubator series. So you can see what happened in the past, which is the virtual network uh, networking incubator. And then you can see what's going to happen in the future, which is the sponsor value network networking. No, sorry, sponsor value incubator. And, uh, and that's going to be live soon. So we're asking people right now just to sign up, indicate that you've got some interest in it, and we'll make sure that you get emailed all of the, the details when we're ready to launch that. I appreciate that. Amanda, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you, Mary. I'm Mary Byers, and this is Successful Associations Today. Mm-hmm.